2: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast, and welcome to our Bears-Chiefs preseason preview show. The final whistle just blew, and our Bears beat the Kansas City Chiefs 27-20 in a game that doesn't matter, but Coach Nagy does have the 1-0 edge over his mentor, Andy Reid, put a little asterisk there, right, uh, You know, in preseason. But regardless, as the Bears win, the Bears had their starters out. For the majority, well, for the entire game, most of the starters. Well, the Chiefs played their starters into the third quarter, but yet here we are talking about a Bears victory. So, of course, this game was one that was a little bit more surprising uh, in terms of what we were able to see from our side of the game here, and I can't wait to break it all down with you. Of course, I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and to help me break down this game, I have two of my Bears brothers right here with me as I'm joined by Brandon Hazlett, and stepping in for Nicholas Moriano is Will Ingles. Guys, how was that victory uh, here on this Saturday afternoon?
3: You know despite it being preseason uh it brought a little sunshine into this overcast northwest indiana day so good good win by the bears there we go
0: well it's sunny and 90 here brandon but uh it definitely made it just shine a little bit brighter so i'm with you on that one
2: exactly it started raining here this morning and then the game came on the sun came out and i was like well this is a good sign and here we are talking about again a 27 20 victory uh here on Saturday afternoon. So again, even though the bears decided to sit most of the starters and I'm going to pull the room here about if they agree with the decision or not in a little bit, uh, we're still here to share our analysis on the game and it's time to just jump right into our opening drive and the first quarter of our show. And let's begin with this week's monster moment. And I'm going to go ahead for my monster moment. I'm going to give it uh, to the touchdown on the Bears' second series. It was a 29 yarder by Kevin White. Kevin, he set it up beautifully with that stutter set, found himself wide open for the easy score. Was this play perhaps the most pivotal moment of the game? No, not even close. But it was a monster moment that due to it being White's first touchdown as a professional. And again, even though it's preseason, you can tell that he was elated to finally get one underneath his belt. And I'm sure it's going to make him more confident moving forward. It only took, and I had to do the day calculator here, 1,213 days since the day we drafted Kevin White for him to finally reach pay dirt. So for it to finally happen, it's going to be my
3: monster moment this week. And Brandon, I want to hand it over to you for your stat of the game. I feel like we should have broke out the party hats for that monster uh, moment there. Uh, But my stat of the game is going to be zero. Uh, I don't have one. No, I'm joking. Uh, But zero (laughs) is the amount of sacks that was given up by the Bears offensive line in this game. And I mean, that stat should really carry a lot of weight uh, because the backups for the Bears offensive line played against Kansas City's ones on defense. And that, you know, they didn't allow a sack. So that really should carry a lot of weight. The only one was uh, Rashad Coward who gave up a, a, a mon- i don't, I'll say a monster sack because Chase Stanley got hit pretty hard, but it was negated by the penalty. Uh, there's so statistically no sacks, and that was the only mishap by the offensive line as far as uh, pass blocking goes. Uh, so overall, a very good showing by the offensive line today.
2: Brandon, were you upset that they couldn't
3: reach that 30-point mark because they had 24 at halftime? You know what? I was because I was looking back. I was like, when was the last time the Bears scored 30? And it was last year. So then it kind of negated my stat that I kind of wanted to bring up how long it would have been, but... I would have to break out the date calculator instead of the football year calendar.
2: Yeah. I know you were talking about that. Like you want to see the Bears score 30 points and like we're at 24 and a half time. Like B might get his wish, but no, I know it 27, three points shy. And of course we have Will Ingalls here. He's stepping in for Nick's, but you're still gonna, you're going to act as Mr. Nick right now. Do you have a Nick snack or Nick knock?
0: Um, I'm going to give uh, Nick's knock to uh, Mr. John Franklin III. He's someone who I think has flashed really good athletic ability. But we mentioned that this Bears win has brought a lot of sunshine to us. But there was a little, th- there was definitely a little cloud floating over as uh, that really awful effort uh, tw- right towards the end of the game where John Franklin could have tackled a uh, wide receiver right as he was heading towards the end zone and kind of just looked at him and said, eh. Yeah. Uh, so a uh, big old knock on Mr. Franklin, the third there. Uh, he was always a long shot to make the roster from the moment he stepped on the field in Bourbon A. But if that doesn't uh, close the book on him, I don't know what does. So knock there.
2: All right. Wow. Way to turn this into a sour <laughs> afternoon, Mr. Ingles. But uh, guys, let's go ahead and dive into our MVB. And personally, I think this is an easy choice. It should be a consensus pick, but I know we like to give different opinions. But for me, Chase Daniel, right, finished 15 of 18, 198 yards two touchdowns 149.5 pass rating he also added 47 yards on the ground on six carries it was a vital part of why the offense was just so proficient in the first half and was able to put up those 24 points making plays with his arm and his feet so again we'll talk about more about chase daniel as we get into the positional breakdown here but for me easy choice here for chase daniel to be the mvb and let's go over to will here for your mvp choice
0: well i'm kind of kind of Gonna kind of cheat here a little bit, kind of like how coaches cheat with game balls and give out like <laughs> five or six out of nowhere. Like the game ball goes to everybody; it's a team win. But no, for me, it's going to be pretty much all the people on the offensive line. I know Brandon mentioned this earlier, but there was uh, there was a particular uh, set where they were running out of a little bunch formation. And the thing with bunch formation is you either have to throw a really quick ball, or you're going to have to hold on to it and let those routes develop, get a lot of good crossing action. Now, the offset with that is that even with a bunch formation, usually that bunch is close to the line. So you still have relatively all 11 defenders close to the line of scrimmage. Makes it easy to blitz, put pressure on. And if your offensive line isn't able to hold up to let those longer routes develop, then, you know, that bunch formation kind of goes for naught. But because that offensive line held strong, you had a lot of bunch formation sets do a lot of damage Just like the monster moment you mentioned, Will, that was out of a bunch formation as well. And that crossing action definitely messed up uh, the defensive backfield on that. So my MVP goes to uh, basically all the people who play on the offensive line. Very solid performance today.
2: There you go, cheater. I like it, though. I do. (laughs) Let's go over to Mr. B here. What's going to be your MVP choice?
3: Well, since no one uh, took Javon Williams, who I thought would be the uh, anonymous MVB, I'm going to give it to Javon Williams. Four receptions for 114 yards. He had the very nice touchdown with the, uh, in the back of the end zone where he stretches out, makes a toe tap. A very, very good play overall. And he had another longer one that I don't have the statistic in front of me all how long. It was because uh, I was thinking I'd have to go with someone else. Uh, but he overall had a, a very, very good day. Uh, the 114 yards really speaks to me. And I think this is uh, the game that solidifies him, I think, to make a roster spot.
2: No, absolutely. Javon Wim, catch catches 114 yards, uh, his longest on the day was 54. But for him to do all this, and he caught 80% of the balls that went his way as well, uh, averaging 28.5 yards a catch, which, of course, is a ridiculous stat that it's not even close to even fathom that he can keep that kind of production up. But just to see it today, of course, was, it was pivotal for really him and his confidence moving forward. And I think not just his, but the coach's confidence in him to see him do that and you talked about that big uh, running catch in the first half. I didn't see that kind of speed out of Javon Williams in training camp. And I know coming out of nice. college, his lack of top end speed was a big reason why people were kind of down on him. He looked fast for someone of his size today. Uh, so for me, I mean, Javon Williams is another easy choice B, Uh but I had to go with the guy who was slinging the football today. And that was going to be Chase Daniel. Understandably. I just got my Starbucks delivery. So my energy levels already rising <laughs> just a little bit. So I'm excited here. Uh, big shout out to the wife for that one. But uh, guys, that's going to do it for the first quarter of our postgame show. And before we enter the second quarter and break down what the Bears offense did today, I need to call a timeout and tell you about our show sponsor, Geek. I know I'm not going to yell like Coach Nagy because that might hurt someone's ears here on the podcast. Football is back and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets every game, all season long. Whether you're searching for a last minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find a perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's something quite like being there in person and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears Brothers have the SeatGeek apps on our phones and our devices, and it's by far the easiest way to purchase tickets. And definitely check out the website too if you're not into the app. I personally, I'm a big fan of how easy they make uh, searching for values. You can just sort them by value. So you can be looking at all the sections, but you know exactly which tickets are giving you the most bang for your buck or worth the most, uh, of course, the money that you're paying for. Uh, and of course, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on a value. SeatGeek helps you find a uh, immediately identify, of course, those best seats that fit your budget. And of course, I've been eyeing a few different games here for you. Uh, the Bears home opener against Seattle on Monday night. If you're going to be traveling, join us down in Miami. There's so many tickets for left for both these games with quote unquote amazing scores on deals. And of course, these deal scores are comprised of location, price, and historical data on that seat. So if you're considering going to any Bears game, any sporting game, any concert, just Definitely check out Seakeek because uh, there's so many amazing deals on all these different events and especially for these Bears games, check them out before they're no longer available. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $20 off this first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the Seakeek app, enter the promo code Bears today. That's promo code BEARS B-E-A-R-S for $20 off your first CG purchase. Alrighty, you're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Little I'm joined by my two Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett and Will Ingalls, And the three of us are breaking down this Bears preseason victory over the Chiefs. And it's time to discuss the Bears offense. And guys, just to start this thing off here... The second team unit came to play. They put up 280 total yards, 24 points in the first half. And if I tweeted it at halftime, I'm like, you know, the Bears are on pace for 560 total yards and 48 points. That's ridiculous. Now, of course, he didn't hold up to that. Um, unfortunately, Chase Daniel just needed to rest. So Tyler Bray came in. No, that's not really what happened. But uh, no, for them to do that, though, against the Chiefs starting defense, I, honestly, that needs to be like the biggest takeaway because a lot of teams or a lot of fans uh, looking at this team heading into this game were a little upset that the servers weren't going to go about the play. But regardless, when a second team came in, it was almost looking like they were the first team unit out there, which should give you a lot of confidence in what uh, Nagy sees from the first unit in order for them to have to sit in this game. But every time that the offense touched the ball in the first half, uh, besides that one play that they had with one second left, uh, they scored points. And all this, again, coming against the first team defense. So for me personally, overall, very impressed with what they're able to accomplish in the first half. Uh, Let's go over to will mr. Ingalls. What is your some of your general takeaways from this offense? I think it's just worth focusing on this first half because in a second they kind of, you know, took it a little bit easier
0: Yeah, I I to me uh, you look at all the players overall and and they all fulfilled their jobs They did it very well Um, I look at the play calling personally with Nagy and the separate formations all the separate motions you know, in the way that he creates success for his players, he makes it easy for his players to succeed. Whereas, you know, in the John Fox era, and you know, it was kind of up to the players to make a play, you know, against the scheme and against everything that was game planned against them. Here, uh, Nagy makes his players uh have opportunities on the field, and then it's just up to them to execute, opposed to them going above and beyond like in years past. So I think you really saw that. Um, it's not, of course, you know, our best athletes, our best options, you know, executing here, but it shows you that with this scheme, it makes any player uh, able to be successful in this. So that's what I took away. I think this offense will provide a lot of opportunities for uh, everyone, whether that's Robinson, whether that's Gabriel, whether that's Cohen, whether that's Howard, I think it will provide them a lot of options to succeed. And I think we saw how Nagy will go about that and how it spreads around and how it creates a lot of open options and spaces, uh, no matter what the scenario is.
2: Yeah. And for all this to work, it's going to really depend on the quarterback and ball placement. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But first, let's go over to Brandon here for some of your opening thoughts on the Bears offense.
3: Yeah, I'm going to hop on board with the uh, the coaching scheme uh, here uh, that Will brought up because Jim Miller and Adam Amin brought up in the, in the game broadcast that they talked to Matt Nagy and they said, you know, he's going to be... More in tune, more zoned in with his play calling, play it like it's going to be an actual game, a lot more situational, things of that nature, despite the ones not being out there. That's how they're going to go out there and approach it. It's going to be just exactly like it would be a regular game. Uh, So I don't want to say, you know, what you see out there is what you're going to get. I still don't think he showed everything, but he did the absolute, I think, almost all the right moves that a coach could do, uh, in my opinion, as far as this game goes, as far as play calling. It was an even distribution between run and pass. It was 25 passes, I think, for the game to 33 runs. A lot of those runs came at the end of the game to run down the clock. Very, very good game management by Matt Nagy and his staff today.
1: Yeah,
2: I have no complaints with anything that I saw from him. I mean, in the one, he even tried calling a timeout when that fourth and one, when they did a quarterback sneak, well, fourth and like six inches. And because they, they pretty much knew exactly what we were doing. And he tried to call that timeout to change some things. Um, but he didn't get it in time, which I mean, you're not faulting it for him, but he knew, uh, he had an idea of what he should have done, uh, differently. And of course, uh, For me, it's not a big issue, just something I just wanted to point out. Let's go ahead into positional breakdowns here, and let's talk about the quarterback, and let's talk more about Daniel, my MVP choice, because today he was taking matters into his own hands and even feet. Uh, He was able to put the ball in the right spots to get his guys in the prime opportunity to catch that ball on the run, turn up field, and gain additional yards, or like in the one uh, route to Ben Broniker over the middle of the field for him to turn away from the defender in order to create some space. So for me, It just proves how much accuracy and ball placement is going to play a vital role in this Bears offense because, you know, you can be like a Jay Cutler with a strong arm and hit the guy right in between the numbers. But if you're not setting up your guys in ways to uh, avoid defenders after the catch, uh, you're going to be really leading a lot of yards on the table today. And I thought Chase Daniel did a great job of getting the most of all these opportunities, especially with the guys. Uh, that he was throwing to today so for me again 149.5 pass rating not a lot to complain about if anything at all and let's go
1: over to B- finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds meet the ergo smart base from Tempur-Pedic. our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed get your best sleep all night every night for a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. pediccom
3: He here. Your take on Chase Daniel? Yeah, I was going to say the scrambling thing. He had that 28-yarder up the sideline, which was impressive. Uh, I thought just his ability to recognize the play, he rolled right out of the pocket, and the defenders were kind of running with the receivers down the field, and they didn't respect his feet, so he knows that. And he runs down the field, and you know, whether or not the flag should have been thrown at the end there with the hit. I mean, I think it was a good call to put the flag back in the pocket personally, uh, but I mean, just efficient, really 15 and 18 for 198 yards. Last he First of all, side note, he likes this one, nine, eight combination because last week he had 189 yards. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Another beast out of the game for you. Um, but I mean, just overall efficiency by him, uh, the veteran presence really showed up and Nick brought up uh, earlier in the preseason and training camp that, you know, Chase Daniel is really the, the preseason wonder he's thrown. I think he said 24 touchdowns prior before this preseason. Uh, I didn't count how many he's had so far this year, but he's obviously bumped that number up. Uh, so he, he knows what he's doing out there, but uh, it just doesn't necessarily get the time in game time come regular season, but that's okay. He's, he's really showed that he's going to be a very good option as a backup quarterback.
2: Yeah, exactly. He looked like a starter out there today. He played with one and we talked about it. What we saw at training camp when we were there at practice, right? He plays with his heart on his sleeve. He's always going to energize his guys. He's going to go out there and take the steps necessary to put the offense in a position to succeed, whether it be scrambling for a first down, uh, putting the ball uh, in the right spot. It's, again, everything he's doing, uh, at least what we saw today, it's, it's really nice to see because a few weeks back we were wondering, ooh, is he going to be a reliable backup? And I think he silenced his critics over the last two weeks. Uh, let's go over to Will. And to start off your conversation on Daniel, I have one question. Did you know or did you think he was as quick as he was? Because I was surprised with the speed that he was able to play with today. Believe it or not, I actually wasn't too surprised by that because if you look at his two
0: starts that he's had on his career, which were both Week 17 bouts where the Chiefs didn't have any playoff implications on the line, I want to say he scrambled, you know, Both of them were pretty similar, like seven rushes for like 56 yards or something like that, which, of course, you know, is a little bit different. You know, that average for a quarterback, just because a lot of times when you recognize that all the defensive backs, you know, are turned around, you kind of have free reign to about a 15 yard gain every single time but he's definitely someone who is adept at getting out of the pocket, using his wheels to pick up first downs as well as being an accurate passer as well. So I guess I wasn't very surprised by that, but it was good to see that, you know, as his age has continued, he's still willing to uh, have that other facet of his game available. And if I were to add anything to Daniel, uh, chase Daniel's performance, uh, it would probably be that he is very in rhythm. And I think that's really important with a backup quarterback. Um, and I think that's where you see a lot of drop-off between a starting and the backup is that no longer are you able to scheme those timing routes anymore because they aren't used to having that, you know, chemistry with receivers or that offense. I think we saw that Daniel has definitely the ability to have that timer in his head to just, you know, whether that's just step one, two throw, um, he knows where, where those routes will open up and he knows what that timing will be. So very impressive outing from Daniel today.
2: Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. All right, guys, let's, uh, real quickly, Tyler Bray, uh, finished five of seven, 72 yards, uh, 104.5 test rating. So two quarterbacks over hundred a day, which is again, nothing to complain about there. A uh, really small sample size with only the seven passes, but does anyone here have anything you want to say on Bray? Uh, for I had the Chiefs telecast or stream over here for me. So for they were really focusing more on the Chiefs sideline in between things. I wasn't really able to see all the nuances and even the to I know we I was showing the plays, which was a little annoying. I mean, you're showing a game. Show, at least show me what's happening. But uh, B, Will, anything you want to add about Tyler Bray?
3: Not really. Just overall, again, with Chase Daniel, I mean, the veteran uh, savvy, he was efficient out there. I mean, in a small sample size, 507 for 72 yards. I mean, he's had worse performances, I think. So he, he I don't want to say solidified anything, but he put a, a pretty good showing today. Nothing over there, for me,
2: Will.
0: For me with uh, for me with Tyler Bray, um, I think he looked solid. I don't think there was anything wrong with what he did. I think that last throw to Wims, I think he put that in a very good spot where only Wims can make a play on it, which Wims yep. had to make an adjustment and make a very good play on the ball. But still, that, that placement was excellent by Bray. I think the issue is no matter how well Bray plays going forward, I don't think there's a roster spot for him here. So while I think his performance was admirable, I'd give it a B-plus, something along those lines. I don't think there was really anything wrong with it. I just don't think that, you know, he could have gone seven for seven for 700 yards and seven touchdowns, and I still don't think there would be a spot for him on this roster.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's it's the numbers game. That's really what it all comes down to in terms of uh, Tyler Bray. All right, guys, let's have it over the running back and let's start off with a just a general question here. And I'm gonna go I'm gonna go right back to Will for this one. Are you worried about the Bears still not really able being able to establish a run, especially when again it was the second team unit against the first team defense? No Jordan Howard, no Tariq Cohen. Uh Benny Cunningham was able to put up 22 yards on those seven carries. Um, but maybe this is more of a concern for uh, Taquan Mazel, right? Four carries, six yards wasn't able to do too much out of the bag field didn't look too great overall, but what did you take from the bears running game, especially in the first half? I know they didn't really rely on it too much with the with Daniel playing as lights out as he was.
0: Exactly. I actually think the running backs were the worst position overall today. If you ask me, even on the larger runs that were broken out, it was either a result of uh, misplaying things. I know late in the game, I know you were asking me for the first half, but later in the game, I want to say it was Niles Davis Uh, bounced one back to the sideline. Even Tyler Bray got to throw a shoulder in on that one. But that was because the defensive end didn't play contained the right way. He had his shoulders turned towards the line of scrimmage. And it just allowed Davis to cut around the outside. And I think that was honestly the story for a lot of the runs that broke for a lot of yardage. I think the offensive line did a relatively good job at least creating windows and gaps for the running backs to go through. I honestly think overall the backs did a horrible job of reading them. And when the gaps were open, they were very poor at being able to shoot them when the opportunity was there. So overall, very poor shoring for the running backs. You have to hope that Howard doesn't get hurt because – I think, uh, I think at times Cohen has shown the vision necessary and kind of that trigger when the hole is open to shoot it. But I think Cunningham was relatively unimpressive. Even his longer run today was because he was able to score it out of a pile. It wasn't because he read and the play was designed that way. It was just kind of a broken play with missed tackles and then him being able to bounce around the edge. So overall, running backs to me were the worst position on the field today. Yeah.
2: I mean, like, I mean, wide receiver played well, tight end as well. Uh, we already talked about the offense line, which again, we're going to talk about these positions here in a minute quarterback, pretty phenomenal. So yeah, running back easily, uh, the weakest part of this offense today, be anything you want to add about any of these running backs or any game in general,
3: uh, as we go forward here. I just want to say it is preseason for all of us. I missed the Benny Cunningham touchdown run cause my pizza wasn't warm yet. Um, so I was staying by the microwave <laughs> for that touchdown, but, uh, anyway, uh, I, w- I, I, Earlier, I don't remember if it was this week or if it was last week, I was talking about how the run game needs to get established and the offensive line needs to do a better job. Uh, I'm going to take back what I said about the offensive line and put it more on the running backs because I counted a couple missed holes by Taquant Mazel. There was a huge one off to his left at one point. He just hops right in the middle of the line and gets like eight yards. Like you got to be able to show a little more patience and be able to have your head on more of a swivel to be able to see where the holes are going to be at. And that's something I think is really going to hurt Mizel when the, the time comes for cuts, because I'm not sure that he makes it with the performance that he put on today. Just Mizel notably.
2: Well, I'm going to put you on the spot because, you know, Brandon, Nick and I in the podcast, we've talked about this off and on over the past couple of weeks. And, you, you know, you've been doing your own training camp, so you've been a little busy. But as of right now, who's RB3?
0: Uh, I think to me it still has to be Cunningham. I don't, think, I don't think it's because Cunningham has overachieved by any means. I think it's because everyone else on this roster has shown that they haven't earned anything uh, regarding an RB3 spot. So for me, it's still Cunningham, not because I'm overly pleased with what he's done, because I'm more displeased with what everyone else has done. You know, Nall's a guy who I wanted to root for to win that spot this year. But, I mean, he was another person who I didn't think had any good runs that were because he executed the play call. I think it's because, A, the offense blocked extremely well and held on to their guys for a really long time. That long sideline run towards the end of the game that he had, he didn't shoot the hole that he should have. He bounced it out to the outside and ended up going backwards of ways. And if the, the line didn't hold their blocks, he was going to lose about five or six yards. So, I mean, even when guys are breaking, you know, long runs, uh, especially, you know, as the, you know, three, four, five RB spot, you know, it's, it's often due to the fact that the offensive line tight ends and wide receivers are doing phenomenal job downfield and not that they're reading the play correctly.
2: Yeah, I think the reason why, you know, Benny's going to be the third running back is not, again, he didn't even have many rushing attempts last year. But it's going to be able to, it's more of what he provides in terms of an outlet out of the backfield. I mean, today the three catches are like 30 yards or so. And again, nothing world beating, but effective. And I think if you can be an effective uh, back, especially if you're going to be the third back on the roster who can come in, uh, be an outlet pass in the flat. I mean, you're doing a serviceable job out there. And I mean, as of right now, I don't really trust Mazzell or anyone else on this roster behind him uh, and all or who else? Niall Davis. No. (laughs) So for me, well, that's, I mean, it's a pretty, uh, you know, cut and dry type of situation
3: here, but guys, let's go.
2: Oh, go ahead, B. I go want to ahead. say I
3: want to help real quick too. Uh, defend Cunningham for running back number three, as I think we're all on board for it. Uh, but he provides a lot of special teams value too, because I haven't liked Mazzell out of the the kick return so far either. I think Cunningham, and I don't know that he'll get that chance, but if Cunningham's given the ability, I think he could do it better than Mazzell can.
2: Yeah, it's going to be real interesting. Again, we'll talk about special teams in a while, but who's going to be that kick returner? Because they've done Davis back there. They tried Ayers back there, and those are two guys who I don't expect doing that job come week one. So I don't think we've seen exactly who's going to be taking those responsibilities come the regular season, but getting back on track, let's go back to, uh, let's get to wide receiver here. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, he started, he had the first catch of the day for the bears. He had 10 yards and that was about it. I think they just wanted to get him out there in a game situation and then get a catch under his belt. Like, all right, you're good. You're, you're a starter though. So back to the sideline for you. And then, uh, we are talking about Kevin white a little bit with that 29 yard catch. But, uh, guys, I want to open the floor to you first. And Brandon, uh, you can kick things off here. Some thoughts about some of the wide receivers that played today.
3: Um, Javon Williams was really the big standout, led the team with four receptions, 114 yards. Uh, he was my MVB, obviously. Kevin White, I think he really needs to uh, go to the Kansas City locker room at some point and go shake all the hands of the guys on the the Kansas City special teams for creating that penalty that you know, a couple plays later led to his touchdown, uh, because without that happening, I don't think that Kevin White gets a touchdown today, uh, cause he was only targeted twice. So he made the most of his opportunities, had two receptions on the two targets. So I like, he did a, a pretty efficient job. He was out there quite a bit, uh, him and Marlon Brown. And I mean, we didn't even see Marlon Brown's not even showing up in the stat sheet. Oh, there he is zero for one. Uh, I so, believe
0: he got concussed midway through the game. If I'm not mistaken, he? he did. Interesting.
3: I didn't know that. Um, so I guess, I don't know, I think Will and I talked about this at one of the one of the last training games we went to. We kind of looked at Marlon Brown. And we're like, yeah, he's kind of he's kind of out. He just isn't really impressing and as much playing time he's been getting so far in the preseason, he's not making his impact felt. So I think Marlon Brown's going to see his way out here pretty soon. Uh, but tight ends, I was uh, overly impressed with Ben Braun, aside from the one drop that he had uh, in the situation that it was in. Uh, Benny Cunningham, again, making the most of his opportunities, going three for three for 30 yards. Uh, Overall, pretty impressive by the top four guys uh, on the receiving uh, depth chart here. Well, not depth chart, but stat line.
2: Yeah, no, I got you. Let's go over to Will here. Some thoughts on the wide receiver play?
3: Uh,
0: I think we mentioned with Wims kind of solidifying that spot. I think Kevin White also, you know, more or less solidified that he's at least worth carrying on this roster. Not that. Not that cutting him and losing about $5.5 million ever was really a, a realistic possibility, per se, but I think both of them solidified that they have uh, they have tools to offer to this offense in the regular season. Other than that, I think you kind of saw uh, the wheat get separated from the chaff today, and I think the wheat would be considered whims and Kevin White, and the chaff would kind of be all the other just wide receiver positions, not all you know pass catchers. But wide receiver spots, I think you saw those two guys rise above, rise above the rest, and the rest kind of fell behind.
2: Yeah, for me, I just want to highlight one play from Kevin White that no one's going to talk about because of the touchdown, but for me, it was equally as important, and that was a four-yard catch over the middle of the field. And the reason why it's important, because as soon as the ball hit his chest and his hands, there's two defenders hitting him right from behind, barreling over him, and he was able to hang on to it. It's a catch-start training camp that you know we all saw him drop numerous times. He dropped easy ones like that in training camp with no one over him. So for him to hold on to that ball through contact, uh, it's just it's a small victory, um, but I think it's something that you can kind of build off. Of, like, hey, I didn't drop that. And again, it's confidence. It's all about confidence. He had the 29-yard touchdown. He had the four-yard catch in, the, in which he didn't drop it despite getting hit pretty hard from behind. So for me, uh, just a small play that I wanted to highlight. Are you about Williams? I think we are pretty caught up in wide receivers because it's pretty quiet because you had Javon Wims, Kevin White, who led the teams, uh, the team right now in receptions and receiving yards, and then drops all the way to Benny Fowler, who had two catches, 11 yards, nothing to get excited about. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, already talked about this one catch to start the game off, and then goes all the way down to Marlon Brown, which was just the one target. So let's move over to tight end here, and, Will, over to you. Uh, ben Broniker, two catches, 31 yards. Does he make a case to make this roster. Now, I know Adam Shaheen, of course, the injury is going to play a factor in this, but I thought with Shaheen being out, Broniker has a good chance of making this team. And with the performance like today, I think he did a good job with his opportunity.
0: Yeah, I think uh, prior to preseason and training camp, I think all kind of had Daniel Brown as that guy. If they carry four tight ends, you know, he's the guy who sneaks on. I think Broniker has definitely overtaken him or at least definitely outplayed Brown throughout preseason and training camp to this point. So I, I have to agree with you. I think there's a decent chance that Broniker at, at the very least made a very strong case to make this roster.
3: Are you officially on the Ben Broniker train?
0: Uh, yes. Conductor. Yes. I, I will, I will yes. hop on the train with you.
3: <laughs> what about you be anything else for tight ends?
2: I know you kind of clumped them in with wide receivers, which of course is all fine, but any other uh, thoughts that uh, you want to mention here?
3: Yeah. Just kind of disappointed Daniel Brown. Cause like Will engle said, he's the one guy that, you know, we thought had the fourth position locked up. He's done it in the past, been able to step in and quietly make an impact in games. Uh, but he's been kind of absent uh, throughout the preseason and through some of training camp even. Uh, and Ben broncker has been a guy who started slow, but he's, in the last couple games, has really started to make a name for himself. And I think he's uh, gaining some momentum and some confidence, and I want to see him get out there again against some higher competition just to see how he how he handles.
2: Yeah, it wasn't a perfect game for Broncker. He did have a drop oh, no. on third down uh, with yeah. the first drive of the second half, of course. But out of the other tight ends that played today, I think he definitely stood out amongst the rest, especially uh you know colin thompson he wasn't really effective in terms of his blocking he obviously wasn't a factor in the run and the passing game he's not even on a stat sheet here so for me uh this ghost effort by thompson uh obviously uh, he was a long shot to make this roster by any means i mean long shot might even be an understatement but game like today it pretty much is you know it puts the writing on the wall it's pretty darn official by now he looks clumsy
0: out there today I mean, there's a couple like, yeah there was a time he like tripped over himself like he pushed someone and then he turned back around to move upfield and then he tripped over himself i was like oh that's got to be fun to look at tape i mean but even
3: the the one catch that he had he bobbled it and i didn't even think they'd officially call it a catch but i think the ref just kind of well he's got the ball in his hand we'll give him he's <laughs> short of the sticks it was a third down anyway so i think they just kind of gave him that catch but he's I don't want to say surprisingly dropped off a guy who had four catches at Temple, but to start training camp, man, he looked really sharp.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He's a guy who we were all kind of like, wow, we might have a real competition here. And then, like, all three of those guys proceeded to take a nosedive after we pumped them all up.
2: <laughs> that disappoints me. All right. So let's go over to offensive line, guys. Uh, so to start today's game, we had uh, Daniels at center, Cush at left guard, Sal at left, uh, at, uh, yeah, right tackle. Uh, left tackle. I apologize. Coward at right tackle and Watford at right guard uh, today. I want to know, Will, you talked about the offensive line to start things off. So you get uh, you're going to overthrow Mr. Trenches here. So, Brandon, uh, you can pause for just a moment. Uh, so Daniel's at center. How do he look? Uh, did he make a case at all today? I thought he looked solid.
0: Um, I don't think he. I don't think he was above and beyond. I, I think as a unit, the offensive line to work really looked really good. They worked really well together. I don't think, to me at least, I don't think one stood above the rest in my eyes. Um, you know, Mr. Trenches might agree with me or disagree, but to me, I think they worked really well as a unit, kind of the way that we talked about the defense throughout training camp, how they looked really good as a unit and how like one player didn't exactly shine above the rest in our training camp reports. For the most part, I think that's kind of how the offensive line, both the first and second unit on the field today looked as a whole. I think they all were very good, but none of them, uh, none of them impressed, uh, from the rest in my eyes, at least.
2: Sure. Yeah. Let's go over to B, Mr. Trenches, your take on the bears offensive line.
3: Yeah, outside of James Daniels, two guys I want to highlight and one low light. Uh, the two highlights are going to be Earl Watford uh, was out there frequently early in the game on screenplays and uh, polls. I uh, was very athletic and getting out there and establishing the hole, getting it cleared out for the running back to follow through. If he's seen the hole, that is uh, there were a couple of times where they followed him uh, on the screens. I definitely did. So it was nice to see his athleticism. I think he's a guy that could definitely contribute uh, as a backup if need be. Rashad Coward, seen him out there throughout the entirety of the game. And aside from the one play where he just kind of quit moving his feet and Chase Daniel got smacked, uh, he played a very, very solid game, I thought. Uh, in the low light, which is good for Rashad Coward, uh, I'm not sure what the injury extent is for Bradley Sowell. Uh, he just kind of got his feet rolled over there on the Niles Davis run uh, late in the game. But this could be the chance that Coward needs to make the official 53 man roster instead of just making practice squad. Uh, so I think that, you know, Coward really has to make the most of this opportunity now, and I think that he's definitely capable of doing it. He's got the hands, got the placement, uh, has the athletic ability, just has to be able to get over that mental lapse of occasionally not moving his feet. Uh, So if Bradley Saul can come back, then he'll be that that swing tackle. Uh, But if not, then Coward's definitely got an opportunity here.
2: Yeah, and it all depends on how many offensive linemen they want to take. But right. I want to echo Earl Watford. He's someone uh, since the beginning of training camp throughout preseason who I've highlighted as he's really solid. You know, he can step in at guard, and the offense looks fine. I mean, he like he said, he can do it all. He can run block. He can go ahead and get ahead in the screen game as well. So for me, Earl Watford, who's someone who I think is a very underrated signing right now by the Bears. He's not being talked about a lot, which is a pretty good thing for an interior offensive lineman. Um. So you talked about the injury of Sal, and I want to get your guys' thoughts here on this because I'm slightly worried if this is an injury that kind of lingers. Because it was pointed out that there's only he's the only offensive lineman on this roster with any left tackle experience besides our starter in Charles Leno Jr. And of course, you would hope that maybe Coward can translate, but him going from defensive nose tackle to right tackle. I think it's a lot to ask if he had to step in over at left tackle. Maybe they flip Bobby Massey over, but even he doesn't have that kind of experience. And do you even want Bobby Massey, you know, protecting Trubisky's blind side? Will shaking his head. No. So I, I agree with that one, but anyone here want to, uh, I know B you already mentioned it. So will, uh, how worried would you be, uh, if something would happen say if Sal's out for a while and we have to have coward be the sole swing tackle?
0: Uh, yeah, like a nine out of ten. Uh, I would that is that is like DefCon two in my eyes. I mean, of course, that means Charles Leno has to go down at left tackle. But you know, you mentioned uh, B mentions you know kind of the lack of discipline with uh, coward's feet at times. Yeah, that from you know that turning into a you know a two yard negative run play or a throwaway by Trubisky, that kind of mistake on the left side is uh, Trubisky's like head snaps back, you know, on just a blindside sack, probably sack fumble if it's something along those lines. You know, mistakes are magnified at left tackle, and that's not someone you want uh, who is, you know, still learning the position, learning some of the footwork overall. And then you mentioned Massey is kind of the other option. It's like, ooh, you have someone who, you know, in my eyes is relatively a stiff, you know, pass blocker. I don't think he's a, he's not exactly a fluid or fast blocker. I think he's probably a lot. I think a lot of people would agree he is a better downhill player, not exactly what you want at left tackle. And I think kind of your last scenario there is moving Kyle Long out there. Kyle Long's played right tackle before, but I mean, anywhere, anytime that Kyle Long has moved outside that guard spot obviously isn't ideal either. So You know, you kind of have three possible solutions there, and those are all solutions that uh, kind of would be involved in my nightmares, not exactly my dreams.
2: Right. Hopefully solutions that we don't need to see played out. Hopefully it's a problem uh, that we don't have to even address as we go through this season. But guys, for our final offensive thoughts today, usually I ask, you know, like to wrap up some thoughts about what we saw today. But this is my opportunity to ask you your thoughts about the starters not playing because, uh, there seems to be two sides here, of course. I mean, there's two sides to any decision, um, but on one camp, you have the Bears uh, offense. They need those extra reps. They go out there, continue to build the chemistry, get Trubisky more experience in his offense heading into week one Green Bay. It's, of course, Sunday night. It's a big game. Um, on the other hand, they've already done a lot of practice. They've been have, they had the extra preseason game. I know he didn't, uh, the starters didn't play in it, the Hall of Fame game. Um, but the extra OTAs, the extra week of training camp, uh, they have a little bit more, you know, experience than some of the other teams right now going through preseason. But I want to know what side of the fence do you guys uh, kind of lean on because I see both sides of the argument. I lean towards I trust Coach Nagy and what he wants to do, and I tr- his decisions are fine by me. Um, but I'm curious what you guys have to think about this entire thing. And let's go over to Brandon first.
3: I just like how you say that there's two sides to each story. I'm going to provide a third ground. I oh, agree, no. and disagree. <laughs> Because there's some guys that I think need more reps than others. Like I mentioned uh, in the very tired uh, Denver Broncos post-game show, I apologize for uh, maybe my lack of quality there for that uh, post-game show. But regardless, uh, I said, you know, maybe we see Mr. Biscayne play against Buffalo Bills a game that we wouldn't think that, you know, he's going to play because he needs those reps. He's only played 25 regular season games the last two seasons. Now it's kind of looking like a realistic possibility. So I do know what I'm talking about out there Uh, anyway. I would like to see him even if it's just a series get out there and get some game time it doesn't have to be a long period of time he just needs to be out there uh, to see the game in person uh, get those lever ups because like we talked about you don't get better unless you get out there and play it uh, so a guy like Trubisky I'd like to see him at least get a series especially in these preseason games uh, not enough to really do a whole lot uh, but enough to get in there and get some game time action uh, but guys like Jordan Howard and the entire first string offensive line they don't necessarily need to be out there so there's some guys that need it but some guys that don't and I trust Nagy that he's got the right guys out there and the right guys on the bench. So what about you, Will?
0: Uh, you and I were talking about this a little bit in uh, pre-show, but, uh, I always watch these, uh, these programs on NFL network called America's game. They always do a special, they bring in a few people from the Super Bowl champions from that year and they interview them. They kind of go throughout the story of the whole season. They'll start in the off season and they go step-by-step, step, you know, this game was a big turning point. You know, this was how, you know, we went into this game plan against, you know, the divisional playoff game, some, some things along those lines, you know, you get to have a little bit of time with those personalities and, uh. I will tell you that I've watched nearly every single one of them and the preseason has been brought up one time throughout that entire series. And that was the 1999 St. Louis Rams when Trent green got hurt in a preseason game and Kurt Warner came in. And obviously the rest is history. I have never heard an NFL team say, golly, that third preseason game is where our season turned around, you know, obviously, you know, people who paid to go you know watch them play i think that's a huge bummer and i think that's unfortunate that you know a lot of people made plans to travel out there i know a few and i feel really bad for them that there wasn't a whole lot of notice and obviously there's probably a little bit of buyer's remorse there but at the end of the day i don't i i think this is probably how the nfl is going to start trending in the future how you know if the NFL, you know, big heads don't want to have cut the preseason from four games to two games, then I think a lot of NFL teams will say, well, we're going to play our starters for the first two games, but we're not going to play them any more than that. And I think the TV ratings might do the rest of the work from there. That, of course, goes away from a bear centric approach. But at the end of the day, I'm not too worried about this at all. I think what we see in Green Bay would be largely unchanged if all the starters played today or not.
2: Yeah, Coach Nagy right now, he's at the podium. And I've just been kind of watching a few comments roll in. Uh, from what I see from um, Adam Hoag here, he's uh, saying that pa- uh, Nagy's up there at the podium passionately defending uh, his decision here, which again, that's what you expect yes, your head he coach to do. As he should, but he also says that he acknowledges, like, that the questions about this decision are fair because it's a little bit unorthodox. So again, he even uh, can acknowledge, like, yeah, I understand why you would have some questions here, but trust me, this is the right decision. And to uh, shed some light on it, uh, he mentioned that the Bears have had 2,000 team snaps in practice so far, and that he doesn't believe that the extra maybe 25 or 30 snaps today would have really done too much for some of the guys like Trubisky. So. I mean it makes he makes a fair point there. I mean I understand both again both sides. You want to get a little bit more game action for your, your starting quarterback um but if 25, three snaps in the head and head coach's mind doesn't make a difference. Then it shouldn't make a difference to us who are watching it from our television set. So that's really going to do it here for the offense. And I just want to note two more things from what we saw today. Uh, the bears averaged over 10 yards per pass. I don't even think they got close to that last year and they were 50% on third down, which again, they weren't even close to that last year. So two stats that again, it's preseason It was the backups against a uh, starting defense. Uh, so to see those statistics that I've noticed at the end of last season that really need to be turned around for this season to be a success. It, it kind of brightens my day just to see that over here on the stat sheet. All right. So up next, we're going to enter the third quarter of our show and break down the Bears defense. But first I just want to remind you that you still have plenty of time to pick up a copy of our Chicago bears. 2018 season preview magazine It's over 130 pages and it includes staff and player profiles, a uh, schedule slash opponent analysis stat projections for who we believe are making the team and much more, including all of our official record predictions. It's only $4.99, and Will, I know you played a very pivotal role in getting this magazine done, and I appreciate all the work that you put into this. I want to know your thoughts here. Why do you think our listeners would find this to be a valuable resource to have this season?
0: Well, to me, it's because it has literally a little bit of everything. Actually, a lot of bit of everything. It's 130 pages of Bears content. I guess it's probably a lot of bit of everything. If you're a fantasy person who you know wants to think about which Bears players they should and shouldn't go after, we have stat projections for you. If you're someone who wants to learn a lot about you know the new coaching staff that's coming, you know some of the guys that are you know don't have the spotlight, such as like Nagy. What if you want to learn about his assistants? We have really good detailed uh, coaching profiles there, and I wrote the one on Coach Nagy, and I strongly believe that you don't know half the stuff that i wrote in there he's got a great story highly recommend that you guys go i mean go in and read that as well you know schedule analysis we break into things that you know we, we break into the small some of the nitty-gritty you know we tell you you know this team lost these people from last year to this year. And this is why we think this game will go this way. You know, it's, it's an all encompassing view on the Chicago bears. And especially as this last preseason game goes in and you see, you know, a lot of these guys finding to make the roster and you say, well, who's this guy? Because obviously the telecast doesn't stop to tell you everyone's story. Even if you're like, wow, who is this person? I mean, with the PDF format that we have, you can literally just scroll right down and we have a nice little profile set up for everyone, as well as where we think they fit in on the 53 man roster, whether that's a practice squad spot where they're on the 53, three men or whether we think they get cut. It has a little bit of everything and I highly recommend it. Not only myself, but a lot of guys put together a really quality product and we're really proud of it.
2: Couldn't have said it any better myself. So definitely pick one, one up today. It's at the slash mag or just Google Chicago Bears Season Preview Magazine and it'll prove that there's nothing else like it because we're every single result on that page. Again, only $4.99. It's the price of like this Starbucks drink right here. Of course, less than a value meal at your favorite fast food restaurant. And again, it's purely content. There are no ads inside of this magazine. It's 100% From the time you open up the magazine and so you scroll all the way down to the final page, it's just pure Bears content. And just a big thank you to each and every one of you, the tons of Bears fans that have already purchased one of their copies. It's a great way to support our show and our efforts, and I appreciate you guys taking the opportunity to do so. And so far, just positive feedback all the way around. So I appreciate everyone who has not just purchased one, but taken uh, some steps out of the way to let us know that they appreciate the efforts that we put into the magazine. All right, guys, so let's officially enter our third quarter and let's begin our defensive analysis here and some opening thoughts to start it off. And I'll admit, uh, when the Bears defense gave up 10 points and about 120 yards on the first two series, I was thinking we we're going to be in for a long day, uh, which have been fair because we we're going up against the Chiefs starting offense and we had our backup defense in there beside a couple guys in the line and Nick Wachowski. But then things started to click. The Bears defense kind of turned the ship around. They forced two, three and outs at the tail end of the first half uh, and then
1: forced the Chiefs... finally
2: to turn over on downs after they marched 65 yards down the field to start off the third quarter. Uh, guys, I want to know, are you surprised by how well that they fared against the starters? And why do you think the Bears defense played so well? And Will, I mean, you play linebacker uh, for you know college, so I think you're the perfect guy to ask here.
0: You know, for me, th- I was really impressed with how the defense, like you mentioned, kind of turned it around because when you're on defense and starts stuff starts going the wrong way. It's really easy to panic. It's, it's really easy to kind of lose some of that confidence. And on defense, that can really be a losing battle because, you know, when you talk about momentum swings, it's a lot easier to carry that momentum on the offensive side and making plays because in this league, it's easier for the offense to execute them for a defense to defend. Uh, I was really impressed. So that's not only a good job by Vic Fangio making some adjustments. That's also, you know, players, you know, not being too high on the highs, not being too low on the lows. That's something that my college coach says a lot. You know, that's a really impressive job from what we agree is a pretty large talent deficit for the first half. They were able to play them pretty tough throughout that first half, you know, minus those first two drives. So overall, very impressed. Um, Personally, I was still a little upset with uh, Nick Kwiatkowski's pass rushing. I think he played overall solid. Yes, I have to throw a barb at Nick Kwiatkowski. You can mark it. I actually Uh. guessed it. I, I officially guess whenever I throw a barb at Nick Wieckowski, I thought he played solid overall, but there was one occasion where, trust me, I, I know for a fact how much linebackers practice on cut drills, and he got a one-on-one with the back, which is exactly what you dream of when you blitz as a linebacker. If you get a little running back on you, that is sack city as far as you're concerned. And he took he took the running back on way too high, and he got cut like a Christmas tree in the middle of De- uh, December. So. Uh, that was a little disappointing for me because I know how much they drill on that. Um, but overall, like I said, very solid comeback uh, from the defensive side of the ball and overall, very solid game.
2: All right. So real quick, Brandon, before I go over to you, is three things I want to mention about the postgame pressure that's going on That's I think worth mentioning. Uh, they asked Coach Nagy about Kevin White and his quote is, you know, I love underdogs. I do, too. So that's pretty neat. Uh, fun fact, he calls Javon Whims- Whimsy, so there's a nickname for you. And, uh, thirdly, the bears be off said, you know, last question in terms of Maggie. And he, he, he waved them off and said, now answer anything you guys have for me. Such a, you know, a night and day difference between what we had under the pre- previous regime. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool that our head coach, like, yeah, whatever questions you guys have, I'll stand up here all day and answer them. So for me, that's just a nugget that I wanted to share with our listeners, but be back on track over to you defensive opening thoughts.
3: Yeah. Like we'll said, it's. Easy to panic uh, when you get in situations uh, where there's a blown coverage. For example, the first uh, defensive series where Terry Kill is wide open on a blitz, uh, DeAndre Hall or whatever defensive back was supposed to cover him on the blitz uh, didn't get to him. It's an easy touchdown, especially for second stringers. I would think that that's kind of like, a okay. I I blew something here. I got to make a big play to be able to fix that and. There wasn't anyone that took that mindset. They just went out there, figured it out, played as a unit. And once they were able to set edges and contain a little better, uh, establish some blitzes, get some uh, pressure on Patrick Mahomes, uh, they they really turned things around. Uh, the adjustments made early, uh, like Will said, really made a made a big difference as the as the game went on, especially against the first teamers.
2: I had two more words about why the defense played so well. Pick Fangio. Easy yep. done. Uh Fangio fire, right guys? I was going to say, hey,
0: man, on the show, Fangio Fire cooking today.
2: Fangio Fire. All right, guys, let's go into the positional breakdown here. And, Brandon, I know I didn't give you first dibs here with the offensive line, and I apologize. I know that hurts your Mr. Trench's
3: mini ego that you have over there. So I'm going (laughs) to give you the defensive line here to maybe boost you back up. Yeah, Nick Williams is a guy that's really impressed me throughout the entirety of this preseason. Uh, Today he ended up with five tackles, didn't have a sack. Uh, There's actually no uh, defensive lineman with a sack today, Uh, Isaiah Irving. And Kylie Fitz were the two that got recorded sacks today on the outside linebackers. We'll get to them later. Uh, but Nick Williams is a guy who I said in the preview, you know, he's kind of a guy who's making the case. Uh, he had seven uh, tackles coming into this game. He has five. Uh, I believe now he leads all the defensive linemen as far as total tackles go. Uh, so he's really making a very strong case to make this team. And I don't think there's any reason that they shouldn't keep him on. He's a good dev piece. Uh, didn't see much below Nichols uh, today. Again, was, was really kind of quiet. I seen him out there, but he wasn't out there making a, uh, bigger plays he was in there on one of the sacks they could have given him a half a sack i think Uh, they opted not to i guess on the uh, isaiah irving sack there but he he was in on that one so it's not like he's not around the ball he's just been uh one of those games where he's quiet so i guess he's kind of having an off and on uh preseason as far as his productivity goes
2: yeah no you're you're right there uh not like the biggest day stat wise i thought he did a decent job though of you know holding the point of attack though i thought that's Mm -hmm. what uh, i saw from him today but over to will uh who stuck out to you better or worse on the bears defensive line
0: definitely have to agree with brandon here with uh with williams having a very solid day um you talk about having depth amongst the defensive line and honestly you have your starters and then you kind of have that battle between goldman and uh, rory robertson and harris and whoever doesn't win that job is kind of your depth piece there um i really don't think they found much of that depth so it's good to see that uh at least there's someone who seems to be taking the charge and uh, at least giving some confidence that the bears will have some kind of depth amongst the defensive line. So Williams for me was that guy who stood out.
2: Okay. So one more thing from the press conference. I'm sorry, but coach Nagy is just going out there and just laying out the fire. A quote here from the press conference. And the tweet is from uh, Robert Zaglinski quote. I don't care what Bill Pelichick does. I don't care what Andy Reed does. This is my team. I like it. Conviction. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I saw that pop up on my phone, and I I had to like uh had to contain myself because I think my eyes just like kind of like lit up and went around like a slot <laughs> machine. I was just like, oh my gosh, I love this guy. I know,
2: right? I mean, when you think you can't like coach anymore, he says something like that, and you're like, yes, this is what we need here in Chicago. This is what we have needed in here in Chicago ever since Levy Smith left almost a decade ago. So this is again, I just can't wait. This is gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a real fun season. But real quick, guys, it wouldn't be a defensive line talk without talking about. Uh, Roy Robertson-Harris and John Bullard. Uh, Robertson-Harris today had the two tackles, and that's about it. And where is John Bullard on this good old stat sheet? Um, uh, one tackle, tackle and one, one tackle. quarterback.
3: Yeah, and he went out with an injury at one point two, but I seen he was able to come back from that.
2: Yes, yeah, so a little bit of a hand injury, which had me a little worried uh, considering uh, what we saw last week against the Broncos with Leonard Floyd. But uh, guys, thoughts on this? Because I thought neither really, again, like, well, I think exactly what Will said about, uh, what, running backs that don't enjoy making their case, and I think this is kind of the same between these two guys, where, uh, again, a lot of just, eh, between them, and nothing phenomenal, nothing great, but I think they'll be solid. I just don't anticipate a lot of greatness from either of these players right now. Uh, Anyone want to chime in here?
3: I don't think greatness is the word that I would use. I think they're going to be uh decent guys that are going to be able to... Uh, hold their gaps and be able to play good, solid defense. But as far as productivity goes, I think Roy Robertson-Harris is the guy that's got the the lead right now.
2: Yeah. I mean Again, I didn't say I expect greatness. I said I don't.
3: Right. Well, I was going to take a step down. I don't even expect greatness. I just want them to be able to play solid, basically. Okay.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that's what we want. I mean, we have a monster on the other end. We just need someone to hold the side a little bit better than the Mitch Unright did for the past two seasons over there. Um, but I think Boulder, what I've seen is just, he's still like a step or two, too slow. And I know Mahomes is a quick quarterback, but he's barreling down on him. And then he's just like two steps away from being able to make that sack. If he's a little bit quicker. Uh, he might've had one, I mean, he still was able to force an air throw, which I guess is a positive, but you just want to see Bullard of course, maybe come down with a sack here or there, but real quick, will uh, I, again, we've talked about this for almost a month and a half now, anything else that you want to add?
0: Um, you mentioned that you hope they do better than Mitch Unrun. I honestly haven't seen anything that hints at me hints to me that they will do a lot better than Mitch Unrun. I thought after after, you know, two seasons, you really thought that one of these guys was going to take that next step. I think a lot of us kind of believe that Bullard would be that guy um, being a relatively high round pick. And I think both of them have really disappointed me overall. I still think they'll be solid like you guys have mentioned, but what one of those guys was supposed to really become that third monster on that defensive line and really open things up for the outside linebackers who we knew all season long, we're going to be a little sparse on that end a little bit uh, behind the eight ball, but uh, man, they have, they have really come up short to me in the grand scheme of things so far.
2: All right, let's go over to the linebacker. Cause I agree. I think, Underwhelming is a good word still here to use, but we'll see how it all fa- fares out here as we get to the regular season. But switching over to uh linebacker, usually we go inside out, but today I want to go I- outside in because I thought we saw, we saw some things out of Irving today. We also saw some things out of Kylie Fitz who has been kind of non-existent over the past couple of weeks. I don't know if it's enough to really get me ultra confident still in the depth of this position. I think it would, we're still a few steps away from getting there, but I think you have to like what you saw, especially from Irving going up against um, some starters today, because early on, it didn't really uh, Irving had a slow start. He didn't keep his contain. And that first drive was able to give up um, an easy 20 yard play. Again, it's a very tough matchup because it allowed a uh, hill to just go right by him, 28 yards. Hill's a very fast player, I understand, but if he was able to keep his contained, I think it would have limited the damage on that play. Um, but from that point on, he really turned things around. He had the six total tackles, which was tied for the most on the team, uh, a sack, which counted for the tackle for a loss, and two quarterback hits. So he was able to generate uh, some added pressure besides just uh, contributing to sacks. So I'm going to go over to Will here. Uh, in terms of what you saw from the outside linebackers, you can throw in Ed uh, Abali here if you like. Um, what did you see? What did you like? What did you not like? All that.
0: Um, going back to that play with Irving not keeping his contain, I can tell you, especially you mentioned with the guy with the speed of uh, Hill, it's, it's very difficult because especially at the outside linebacker spot, you're really trying not to get too much depth on the line of scrimmage because you know everyone says penetration is a really good thing. Well, it is on the interior defensive line. It's actually a horrible thing when you get to the outside defensive line and you know those outside linebackers with contain because if you go vertical, you actually open up another gap right inside of you. So really the goal for that outside linebacker and that contain job is to actually shorten the line of scrimmage down on that side while also keeping contained. And normally when you, you know, you meet that, you know, that, that front side blocker, whether it's an insert puller or whether that's just the tight end or tackle blocking out on you, your first goal is to kind of like scrunch down that, that gap that you're trying to maintain and then get a little bit of depth to force whatever plays are coming at you back inside. But with a guy like Hill, it's very tough to be able to fulfill both assignments really well. So, you know, I give a little bit of a pass to Irving on that play. Obviously, he could have done better. No question about it. But overall, very not, exa- like you said, a few steps away from being confident in this position. But Irving, once again, at least shows the tools and at least the upside that you want to see from someone who's going to be a backup on this roster. At the very least, if you put him in, it's like, okay, I think he can make some plays. Um, for me, um. Not below Nichols. Oh, gosh, what was... Edipoli, uh, Fitz? Not at a Fitz. Are we talking about I, time? Yes, Fitz. I don't know why Nichols came in my head, but thank you so much for reminding me there. So Fitz uh, was a few steps behind Irving in my mind for today. Um, I think he showed some solid pursuit. Um, I think he showed some good motor, but uh, I think he's still missing a few of those pass rush tools, and I think he's still struggling a little bit to keep that edge, like I said, maintaining both of those. And to me, your first priority is to shorten that gap because especially from the outside linebacker spot, you're asking those inside backers a lot to be able to scrape all the way over to that gap. You're really trying to make it cut back without gaining a whole lot of depth. And like I said, opening up that interior gap for them to have to additionally cover as well as the gap they already have. So um, I think he has a few steps to go with that was relatively impressed with Irving um, fits a little bit less and then at really didn't do a whole lot for me today. So those
2: are my thoughts. Those are a lot of thoughts there, but good thoughts nonetheless. I appreciate it. It's it's good insight that you bring here. I mean, obviously, you played the position, so it's good to hear exactly how you see it because, of course, it's a little different than uh, my perspective or Brandon's as well. But over to B. Um, If you want to mention anything else on the outside, you definitely can, uh, or you can bounce inside. Your choice.
3: I just want to touch on the outside guys and then we'll, we'll take it inside. Uh, you guys hit on a lot of things I want to talk about. It was just nice to see Irving show some flashes despite his early struggles. Uh, Kylie fits the motor that he's got. He whiffed twice on the sec that he got. And then when third times a charm was able to bring a quarterback down there on that one. So it was nice to see the motor from him there, but still overall a pretty quiet uh, preseason training camp uh, time here outside of the Baltimore game. And again, at the only time that I remember really seeing at in this game was when he was blitzing in that left. Tyreek kill, Wide open in the flat, and no one was there to cover him because of blown coverage on the backside. Uh, so outside of that one play, I mean, that's not even at fault. He kind of did what he what he had to do. Uh, it was his best to get in the passing lane. So I guess he kind of did his job, but was still relatively quiet throughout the day. Uh, inside, John Timu again, a guy that you know we've talked about. Uh, he had four tackles on the day. You typically see him towards the top of the the uh, stat sheet as far as tackles go. He had four on the day. That's four, uh, fourth on the the stat list here. Uh, he's always got it around the ball. He's smart, but again, just the athleticism kills him. There's a couple times where he's chasing guys with the ball because he's just not fast enough, which is kind of unfortunate. Uh, I think he'll still make the team as a special teamer, uh, but as far as the defense, he's starting to uh, – my confidence in is dwindling as far as how comfortable I am with him out there because last year there were times where he was out there calling the plays because when uh, – John Anderson or Nick Kukoski was calling the plays. John Timu would have to come in and do that, and the defense was a lot more set and a lot more ready to go because Timu has that demeanor, that confidence and leadership ability, but he just struggles athletically. Uh, so my confidence in him out there to be out there in the field in the regular season is dwindling, and I hope that we don't have to see him out there. Uh, Joel E.A. Booneyway was another guy that I I had highlighted, uh, just his athleticism. Uh, he only had two tackles one day, but it seemed like he was around the ball a lot more often than that. So it was, it was nice to see him get out there and get some playing time, uh, extended time today as well.
2: Yeah, when I'm looking at the inside guys, number one, I'm surprised and I'm sure this will get a laugh out of Will, but uh, Nick Kulkowski doesn't even make the stat sheet. He played into the third quarter. Like He is not, I don't see him at all. <laughs> I think Will's zooming into the camera trying to check that stat sheet, but yeah, no, he's not on there, which this is a surprise for an inside linebacker. He should be on there for something, even a half of a tackle at the very least. You don't know, get involved in the play, but I think the Chiefs did a good job of you know evading around him. A lot of their work today was on the outside as along the boundary. So for of course, uh someone like uh Kukowski who doesn't have the sideline to sideline speed like a Roquan Smith, uh he's not gonna be able to go out there and make those plays uh nearly as often. Um, but yeah, you talked about Iggy. Uh he was always around the ball. He had a little bit of uh what do you want like not nastiness to him, but a little bit of you know, like grit when he was going into the you know into the pile. Just I you, know, you like things like that, especially here in Chicago, out of your defensive guys, especially at linebacker. But let's go over to Will here for the insight, guys, real quick. What did you see um, that you like to mention? Did you like how Fangio was uh, utilizing both of the, I think at the time it was Quit and uh, John Timu on the Blitz?
0: Yeah, I I appreciate especially that creativity. Um, Overall, you think of Fangio as an overall conservative defensive coordinator, very much a bend, not break in a lot of ways. That's especially, of course, he's mentioned a lot that they want to create more takeaways, Um, but regardless that's kind of just the defense he likes to play um so i appreciated the creativity and the aggressiveness of those blitzes especially with the inside backers because it's most people are not used to him doing that it's really a surprise when he does it the big takeaway i think you guys covered the people who were on the field really well um one thing i take away is that uh roquan smith had an earpiece in, kind of like a uh, headset basically as far as what he would have on the field. So I think that definitely hints at what role they want him to take over as, you know, his career in Chicago progresses. And that's also a big thing that um, my defensive coordinator calls them inexpensive reps. When you're not on the field, when you're on the field, you know, actually in game in drill, those are expensive reps. When you're able to sit on the sideline able to take those mental reps without having, you know, to take up time and obviously, you know, game minutes, game snaps, those are inexpensive reps and him having that headset in going through the playbook and also being able just to stand there on the sideline. um, I think those were some, I think he probably made a little bit of progress today, believe it or not. So I was really happy to see that headset in because that more or less forces him to stay locked in. So it's not exactly like he's uh, he's messing around kind of like Trubisky was on the sideline. I don't, I'm not saying he wasn't focused, but you know, he's kind of chatting around having a good time with, with everybody, you know, cheering on his teammates, nothing wrong with that. But a guy like Roquan Smith's position, it was very good to see him locked in, focused in, dialed in, and also getting, like I said, those inexpensive reps today.
2: Yeah, good stuff there. Things I don't get to see over if since I was watching the Chiefs side of things today. So that's a good little tidbit there. Uh, So let's move over to the secondary here. Uh, My first note is... Uh, zero passes deflected, which really surprised me today. Not one DB was able to get a hand up on the ball. Of course, no interceptions to go along with that, so a little bit soft in coverage. A lot of plays coming up underneath, and guys having to come up and make some tackles, which is why you see uh DeAndre Hall leading the charge here, Kevin Tolliver not far behind. Deion Bush, Doran Grant, Craven LeBlanc, all up there in the stat sheet because a lot of the plays, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, were on the boundaries and right in front of the coverage. So they had to come down and make tackles. Uh whether they did that effectively or not, uh consistently, is definitely up for debate. But uh guys, real quick, your thoughts on uh, the Bears secondary. Anybody stand out uh for the in a positive way? That's how I'm gonna frame it. Let's go to B first.
3: I like that Dion Bush, uh there was the one play in the red zone uh where he was playing soft coverage on the the running back I believe it was his was his cover guy. Uh, he makes the catch. and once he realizes you know that he's got the the first down, they're close to the sidelines, so he's kind of dragging him towards the sideline. he's ripping the ball, trying to rip the ball out all at the same time. He's not necessarily trying to bring the tackle down. he's trying to get the fumble. And the guys on TV uh, Adam Amin and Jim Miller were well, He can't even tackle him. Like, that's not really what he's trying to do. He's just trying to get the ball out because he realizes where he's at on the field. so that's good field awareness by Dion Bush there. Uh, and additionally, uh, Kevin Tolliver didn't look as lost as he did against Denver. Uh, against Denver, he was, you know, kind of looking the wrong way, had his body in the wrong position. Uh, today, he looked a little more with it, uh, a little more mentally. There uh, was a little more solid. He had four total tackles on the day. He was out there longer than I thought he was going to be. I thought we'd see more Michael Joseph uh, with the with the twos, but it was Kevin Tolliver, which is totally fine if he was going to go out there and be as, as solid as he was. I mean, there were no no PBUs as you talked about, almost the one by Mincy there at the end where the, the touchdown was given up. Uh, But outside of that, I mean, Kevin Tauber wasn't, I think it was a lot of soft coverage uh, from him today, but he didn't get beat hardly at all.
2: It seemed like the Bears wanted just to keep the plays in front of them. And then of course, wrap up after the fact, which, I mean, it worked. I mean, Kansas City scored 20, but uh, the starters only scored 10, uh, especially after they scored uh, in the first two drives. And with the adjustments, you're able to kind of like bend, but not break. So for me, I mean, I was fine with it. I mean, of course you like to watch corners, you know, lock down their man and play some strong coverage. um, But Again, bend, but don't break defense What we saw today from the bears and let's go to Will. you on muted. So I know you're eager to talk some DBs. What do you got?
0: Well, another adage that our defense coordinator says is always make them take another snap. That's the goal. I mean, obviously that translates to a, uh, well, if they have to take another snap, they obviously haven't scored. Um, but uh, when you talk about you know forcing teams to go underneath and then you going up and tackling it, obviously that means they're going at underneath stuff. You're willing to give them those underneath plays so that they have to continue to take a snap and march down the field. Now, of course, some teams have proven to be able to do that in the past, but obviously that is a much more difficult feat to go down the field on a 12-play drive than it is to obviously you know pick up 20-yard chunks you know a, a few at a time and then obviously have an easy march to the end zone. Um, I'm not sure if this is statistically correct or I'm not sure if our defensive coordinator just said this. He's a very wily and smart guy, so I feel pretty confident in him being right. But he said every play after 12 plays, the offensive chance of scoring a touchdown goes down 7% each snap. So, I mean, when you talk about that, Ben, but don't break idea, uh, that, that definitely plays into that. You know, if you make them take more snaps, you know, the tougher it is to get in the end zone by the end of it.
2: I like it. I like it a lot.
3: So real quickly, go ahead, B. I think there's some evidence for that, though. Uh, The Bears had a goal line stand at one point in the game where Mahomes ran back from, I guess, 15 all the way back to the 25 and ended up throwing it out of the back of the end zone because the coverage was was pretty solid. I don't know how many plays that there were, but it took him a while to get to that point. So I guess that's uh, an example.
0: Exactly. And I mean, when you when you get so many plays, obviously you open up those, uh, those, uh, windows for mistakes. So whether that's a holding penalty, whether that's a false start, every time you ask the offense to go up and execute, you know, it's a chance for them to make a mistake and for the defense to pounce, which is exactly what a Vic Fangio defense does. They wait for that little open thing of oxygen. So that Fangio fire can eat it up and go right through, you know,
2: I like it real quick. Uh, that down, uh, turnover and downs was a 13 play drive. So there just a, there we go. Uh, a little bit of uh, wisdom there from Mr. Ringles. guys. Let's go ahead and enter some final thoughts here about the bears defense today, which you know, I started off with saying they surprised me. I really thought, especially after the first two series where they gave up 10 points, I thought as long as Kansas city wants to keep their, their starters in this game, we're going to be in for a very long afternoon. And of course they turned that around, forced a few punts in a row, turned it over on downs. Uh, so for me, all good things, uh, considering the fact. So let's go over to Brandon first, wrap things up on
3: the defense. Yeah, uh, very uh, smart depth uh, back there behind the starters, I think. Uh, to be able to adjust like they did, know that, okay, we got to be able to set an edge and contain. Uh, we got to be able to contain Mahomes, or he's going to beat us on his feet, and then we're going to send blitzes up the middle and third down, really get him uncomfortable. Uh, being able to recognize uh, game situations where they could pick out his weaknesses as the game goes on, I think that speaks volumes to what we have as far as mental depth uh, behind the starters.
2: And over to you, Will.
0: Overall solid. Um, I think the only thing that I didn't like is, I mean, uh, DeAndre Hall and Deion Bush, I think, played solid. But I think it's it's not exactly their fault. Um, I don't think Kansas City exactly attacked the intermediate to deep routes a whole lot. But you really want to see that next guy in case, you know, whether it's Adrian Amos or whether it's Eddie Jackson, God forbid they go down. You don't want to even think about that scenario. You love those two and they team up back there. They obviously have established some chemistry. But what if one of them has to step back in? I wasn't too like I think they did well, but when you talk about, you know, going underneath, now now you're just asking them to come up and make a tackle, which isn't easy always in the open field, but uh, overall, I didn't see anything that made me feel ultra convinced that uh, that they could step in in a pinch and be a really good player in a regular season game on the field. So maybe that's me being a little critical, too critical. But uh, overall, I didn't see anything that made me overly secure in them backing up uh, both uh, Amos and Jackson.
2: I think that can be extrapolated over to almost any position right now, right? Even outside linebacker, you saw it from Irving, you saw a couple flashes, but still nothing that gets you overly confident in terms of them if they have to step into a the game situation. Because uh, I feel like right now there are just obvious weaknesses. Say like you have a uh, you know, Hall go in there for one of the safeties. That's someone who obviously if, say, week one, Aaron Rodgers would just go after and go after and go after it just makes total sense. And same with like Fitz. I mean, they would just keep running towards his, uh, I guess they Fitz here. they would just keep running to his sideline as well, because I mean, we've seen the struggles for him to hold the point of attack a little bit, keep contained. And of course, uh, track down some ball carriers. So for me, I agree exactly what you said. Well, there's a, and I think this could be extrapolated through all three phases of Bears' defense. Um, but I'm going to take mine a little bit more positive here today. Again, uh, after they gave up some 10 points, they made some adjustments and were able to turn things around. Uh, 2 of 11 is what they, uh, the Chiefs finished on third down today. So when it mattered, the Bears found a way to get off the field. Yes, I know the Chiefs were 2 of 3 on fourth down, but 2 of 11 on third down is still a really good stat uh, nevertheless. So for me, uh, I was pleased with myself in the Bears' defense today, especially with the talent gap. Um, so for me, not a lot to complain about, but nitpicking, especially here in the third preseason game, is totally fine. All right, guys, it's time to head into the fourth quarter and uh, of our post game show here. And let's begin with a quick hit on special teams. I just want to shout out to Cody Parkey. I said, I want to see him be perfect. And he was. He was two for two. Uh, his long as a 48. So he didn't have that 52, uh, you know, bugaboo that he's been dealing with all preseason long. And of course, uh, he was perfect on the extra points as well. So for me, uh, someone who has struggled a little bit in camp, someone who struggled a little bit throughout this preseason, to not miss a kick today, I think it just, well, Put some good momentum behind them as we enter the regular season. Uh, what about you guys? Anything else on special teams that you think is worth mentioning? Not a lot of uh, special teams-ish things going
3: on, but uh, what do you want to say? Let's go to B first. Sherrick McManus, not a guy who gets a lot of uh, highlights, I guess. I had a very nice tackle today uh, in the punt game there, uh, tackling whoever the punt was. I remember who he is off the top of my head, but had a very nice tackle that was kind of pushed into him, and it just led to a, a very easy tackle for Sherrick, and it was real nice to see him be able to get a highlight play out there. I mean, that's why you
2: bring a guy like Sherrick McManus along. That's why he's oh, been yeah. able to survive all these different changes here in Chicago from head coach to head coach to head coach is because of what the value that he brings, not just in the coverage units, but just uh, the leadership here on special teams. The so good, definitely shout out to Sherrick McManus. Let's go to Will.
0: Uh, B kind of brought this up earlier when talking about Taequann Um, I was pretty disappointed in the return game in general for the Bears. Um Obviously, it's not a massive thing, especially with, uh, you know, so many touchbacks being involved in the kickoff game nowadays. But you still want to have that element of being able to return uh, kicks. And I really don't think the Bears have found someone who is really reliable with that. Um, I know a friend of the show, Andrew Link, and I have had some discussions at length with how good Tariq Cohen could be back there. I ultimately agree with him. I don't think Cohen's vision is exactly great. Uh, when it comes to being a kickoff returner, of course, you like kind of that, uh, that Houdini-esque type of player on a punt return more than kickoff, because obviously you can set up more of a play, more of a strategy with a kickoff return than you can a punt return. All oh, hell kind of breaks loose on a punt and a punt return based on you know what strategy you know both the punt and punt return team are doing as far as going after a block or just trying to set up a return. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I still don't think the Bears have found that guy yet, which Is a little concerning to me. Of course, you want to have all three phases be dangerous. And we've, of course, been spoiled by being able to watch Devin Hester, you know, recently. You know, obviously, you don't expect to find someone like that, but you still hope to find someone who can at least uh, make opposing teams, special teams coordinators, you know, stay up a little bit longer at night, opposed to just saying, yeah, we're good.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be Benny Cunningham's job because he is very solid. He can get you 25, 28 yards per return. And, of course, that's serviceable. But like you said, Will, there's no one who's a game-changing talent uh, fielding kicks. And, of course, you can even take this a step further and we could talk about the kickoff rules and how that's kind of changing things as well because, as you can tell throughout the entire preseason in the NFL, it seems like uh, kick returns have been very limited, not as many big returns being busted out. So it's an interesting uh Time here in the NFL in terms of kick returns. Especially here in Chicago, when we don't have uh, that top-end speed returning kicks to really, you know, take the lid off of those coverage units. But guys, let's go ahead and enter our two-minute warning. And for those who maybe are listening for the first time on a post-game show, or like Mr. Ingles, who this is his first time ever appearing on a post-game show, our two-minute warning is where we wrap up our thoughts in this game and put things into perspective as we move forward. And let's go over to Brandon here for his two-minute warning.
3: Yeah, a lot of this is going to revolve around the coaching. Uh, they said uh, on the on the TV broadcast for us that listen to the Chicago stations uh, that they when they talked to Matt Nagy, they said that you know, he was going to take this exactly like it would, like it is a regular game. And it was incredibly nice to be able to see him orchestrate three straight drives that resulted in points, long, sustained drives, able to put up points. So incredibly nice for him to go in there and scheme, game plan incredibly well, was able to adjust in mid game. I mean, credit Vic Fangio on the defense for being able to adjust, but also being able to, you know, talk to Vic, I'm sure throughout the entirety of the game on defense going, Hey, you know, what are you seeing? What are some things that we need to adjust on? What are things that I can do down here? Things that nature that I'm sure was happening, but I can't say for sure because I wasn't there. So it's just pure speculation, but I really think Matt Nagy did an absolutely excellent job uh, taking this game uh, by the horns early and uh, getting points up there while he could. So huge, huge shout out to Matt Nagy for taking this like it was an actual real game, despite the ones not being out there.
2: Yeah, good stuff there, B. All right, well, you're up. Your first ever two-minute warning.
0: All right, this one's going to be a little bit pessimistic. Um, I absolutely agree with B in the way that, of course, Negi really schemed them up well. At the same time, if Negi can't scheme up the Chiefs, I think there's a major problem with him as a coach. Obviously, he's been there for, what, five years or something along those lines. Trust me, if there's anyone on the sideline who should be able to elbow Fangio and be like, I think you should put the defense here. Um, I would be, yeah, I would be a little bit concerned. So overall, there is no reason to be, I, I, my point's pessimistic, but there's no reason for the fan base and for everyone to be pessimistic about this. People perform really well against obviously a really big talent deficit. Obviously they still have to be coached up, uh, one way or another. It still requires a strong and conscious game plan Was negi, you know, slightly overqualified to scheme up the chiefs, perhaps, but at the end of the day, Chicago fans should definitely be positive. Um, but, you know, like I mentioned earlier with, you know, how players need to take things not too high on the highs, not too
1: low on the low. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo SmartBase from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at Tempur-Pedic.com.
0: This is still preseason, solid performance all around, um, but don't get carried away with this one.
3: I want to counter that pessimism with some optimism that he beat him with the second stringers. Oh!
2: (laughs) There we go. I like this. We have a battle. All right. So for me, guys, my two minute warning, I can take this a few different ways. I'm just going to go into this. I'll I'll take it on a a positive approach. Personally, I don't have a lot negative to even take away from this game whatsoever. But again, the fact that we went out there and we scored points on our first three drives, right? Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. When's the last time we saw a Bears offense do that? I mean, honestly, someone look it up because it's been far too long. I can't remember. We've been doing this podcast since 2015. I can't remember three straight touchdown drives. So for me to see that again, second string versus a starting defense is a sight for sore eyes. And also something that gets me really excited about the potential for the first team unit. Uh, Like Will's talked about in the very opening of the show about coach Nagy uh, scheming things correctly, getting guys in positions to make some plays. And if we can do that now, just imagine what we can do when we have our full slate of offensive weapons out there on the field. So for me, Very excited what I saw from the offense today. Very excited about what Chase Daniel brings to the table in terms of a backup quarterback. You know the energy that you saw on the field he's bringing to the quarterback room, right? You know he's bringing that to the sidelines. So for me, the energy that Chase Daniel brings on top of the mentorship to Trubisky, I think it's going to be very pivotal for uh, behind the scenes for the offense this season. And over on defense, again, I think there weren't a lot of standout performances. But overall, as a unit, which is something we saw at training camp, they came together and played very solid football. And like Will said, a lot of bending, not a lot of breaking. So for me, lots of positives to take away. Uh, I I will admit, heading into this game after the news broke last night that none of the starters were coming out. Uh, Will and I had a little powwow right before kickoff, about 20 minutes before. And I was like... Man, it's gonna be a long afternoon. I don't know if I want to watch this whole game and have a full post game show. It's like we're gonna keep it brief. And here we are again talking for I don't even know. It's been about an hour. I'm assuming about all that's going on. I'm excited about what I saw today. So I'm happy that uh, I was proved wrong and I'm able to be excited what I saw in the Bears' fourth preseason game, regardless that the vast majority of the starters did not play. So for me, if that's gonna excite me, I can't wait. For a couple weeks, once we get to week one, just how excited things are going to be uh, throughout the entirety of this season. All right, well, I've got something for you.
0: Um, So you mentioned it's not three straight touchdown drives to start the game, but 2016 against the Giants, the Bears started out touchdown field goal touchdown against the Giants in 2016. So. Not three not three straight touchdown drives, but I was like, gosh, I do only remember one in recent memory that they started out the game pretty hot on offense. They proceeded not to score for basically the rest of the game, but still.
2: Figures, right? But, hey, I mean, there we go. That just proves it's been at least 2016 since they opened up three uh, offensive drives with points. And, again, it's preseason. It does not matter whatsoever, but it's a sight to see. And to see it at Soldier Field in their debut here, I think putting up some offensive fireworks – Uh, should get the fans excited. Should get the players excited about the potential. I mean, last year at home, we weren't putting up a lot of points. (laughs) Okay. We weren't putting up a lot of points in general. So exciting it's promising. And I think exciting and promising for the offensive mindset heading into the season, uh, it's just going to be huge for everyone involved. So again, I I don't want to say excited to get, but I am. I'm very excited. All right. So that's going to do it bears fans. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the bears brothers podcast. We're going to be back uh, as we, near next week's preseason finale. And before I forget, I want you to know that we are hosting a live Bears Packers preview show. I already talked about this last week, but I need to let you know one more time. I'll probably let you know a couple more times as we lead into it. It's going to be on Saturday, September 8th at 1 p.m. It's at Pheasant Run Resort in St. Charles, Illinois. And if you're interested in meeting and joining us for this live week one preview show, you know, you can just show up. I mean, that's pretty easy. Or if you have any questions, reach out on Twitter, Facebook, send me an email at will at thebearsbros.com. But I really hope that you can join us Come out, support the show, and meet us on September 8th at Pheasant Run Resort in St. Charles, Illinois. Again, the showtime is at 1 p.m. the day before the fir- the kickoff game here on September 9th. All right, so I want to thank you to everyone who's watching our show here on YouTube. I saw about 150 to 200, depending on the moment, and it's Saturday afternoon. It's a nice day, presumably where you're at, maybe not in northwest Indiana. Maybe it's kind of frowning over there, but for you to take your time, of course, to not just watch this Bears freezing game, or if you didn't watch it, join us for the recap. I appreciate it. I really do because I know Saturday afternoon, there's a lot more exciting things that maybe you can do. And of course, another big thank you to every single one of you who are listening to the podcast. I think I can speak with everyone when I say that I just can't wait for the regular season. It can't get here soon enough. We'll talk to you soon for the final week of preseason finally, but until then bear down Chicago. (laughs)